Won't it be absolutely glorious whenever we sing that song with the 24 elders who are surrounding the throne singing His praise day and night. They cry out, holy, holy, holy. Uh, Today we're going to offer a message that for some of you is very timely. For some of you, the race ran over you this week. And you've been going through some difficult times. And maybe for some time you've been going through trials and tribulation. It's often been said there's two types of people. There are those who are going through trials and tribulations and those who are about to. And so if you're not going through a trial or difficulty or some suffering right now, just wait a little while. It's coming your way. Now, this is true not just for Christians. This is true for every person who walks on the face of the planet. But specifically, as we look at Revelation chapter 2, beginning in verse 8, we see the church of Smyrna who were about to be thrown into the fire, so to speak. They were going to go through some very difficult times as a church. And so I've entitled the message today, The Suffering Church. And and if we look at the church in Smyrna, they were a lot like the other churches in the region. They were going through difficult times financially. They were suffering persecution. But in particular, they were going through the trial right now, right here, right now. And so for them, this message was timely. Some of you, you're going through the trial right here and right now. And some of you, you need to take this message and put it in your back pocket for when that day hits you. And so wherever you are on that spectrum, whether you've been through a trial recently and come through that, or whether you're in the middle of the trial right now, or you've yet to see that trial that's going to be coming to you, this message is a message of hope and encouragement. Why don't you stand with me and we'll read Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 and following, and we'll hear what the Spirit says to the church of Smyrna. And to the angel of the church of Smyrna, write the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slanderer of those who say they are, they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Let us pray together. Our Father God, we bow humbly before you, Lord, and we cast our crowns at the feet of Jesus. Lord, anything that we have, Lord, everything that we have, Lord, is yours, including our very lives. And so, Lord, even if, Lord, We are walking through the fire. Even if, Lord, we are passing through the waters, we know that you are with us. That you said that you would never leave us nor forsake us. And so, Lord, we'll stand on the other side, unburned. And, Lord, we will stand before you, spotless and blameless, before that throne 
And Father, we know that this world is full of trouble. And Lord, we will face difficulty and tribulation here on this earth. But Lord, we're not disheartened. We're not dismayed because you have overcome the world. And there is hope for us. Lord, I pray that the one that's going through the trial right now would find comfort and peace and encouragement through your word now. Lord, give me words to speak that might edify those who hear. and Give us obedience to your word today. We may be more and more like Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want to share with you this biblical truth from the text this morning. I'm lifting it from the text. Even when we suffer, God is still good. I, want, I, want, I know that sounds like a simple truth, but hey, some of you, you need to hear it and you need to let it hit your heart today. He who has ears, let him hear today. Let him heed what the Spirit says to the church. And the Spirit is saying to the church right now, doesn't matter what you're going through, God's still on the throne. And God is still good. And we can still stay faithful to the God who's been faithful to us whenever we're facing difficulty and trial. So whatever you're going through, let that truth sink in. Let God's, God's Spirit minister that truth to you today, that even when we suffer, God is still good. Now that doesn't mean that everything that we suffer is good. Now let's make certain and be very clear about this, that not everything is good. In everything, God is good, but not everything is good. I mean, when you suffer loss, whatever that might be, loss of an income, loss of health or ability, when we suffer loss of loved ones, that's not good. I want you to say with me, not good. You ready? Not good. That's not good. Not everything that happens on this earth is good. Don't, don't confuse that. When, we, when someone goes through, goes through suffering, we're quick as Christians to run up beside them and say, hey, it's okay, this is all good. God's working it all together for our good. And, and sometimes people just aren't ready to hear that. They just aren't ready to hear it. Now, what they do need to know is that God is good. And you can sit with them in their suffering, just like Job's three friends, you remember them? They got it right until they started talking. Because they came in, they just sat with Job in his suffering, and they, and they acknowledged that he was going through something very, very difficult. Well, this church of Smyrna is, is going through something very, very difficult, and it's about to get worse. And sometimes things just go from bad to worse, don't they? And it seems like the cloud hangs over our head for days and days that lead into years and and it seems like it just doesn't get better. When it rains, it pours, right? And it's about to get bad for this church. But I want you to see, first, the communion of suffering. As they're going through the trial, there's someone who's going with them. And not only that, who's already been where they are. And that's the Lord Jesus, because He's suffered everything. And everything that we suffer, He knows he already knows it. And so there's the communion with Christ in the suffering. And Jesus identifies himself at the very beginning of the letter to the church of Smyrna as the one who 
died and came back to life. He's the first and the last. In other words, he's been there and he will always be there. He's the beginning and the end. And he also was the one who suffered and died. He went to the garden and sweat great drops of blood and agony. When the guards asked him and asked for Jesus of Nazareth, he said, I am. And whenever he said that, they fell. The ground shook at his confession and then he, they fell. He was led from there to a mock trial where he was maligned as a blasphemer. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. But he laid down his own life. He had power to stop the pain. He had sovereignty to end the suffering. But it was compassion that held him to the cross. And he stayed there and he died for you and me. The writer of Hebrews, real close to where Brother Chris was referring, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. And when you're going through the trial, you've got to remember that Jesus has suffered more than you ever could. You've got to remember that. You're serving your Savior when you go through suffering. The writer of Hebrews says, In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Now, I wonder how many of us in this room could say, I, I, I'm suffering, I'm going through trials, I'm going through difficulty. Well, the writer of Hebrews would say to you, and, and, and some of you didn't raise your hand, you should have, because you are, but, it, but whether you raise your hand or not, when you're going through that, you've got to remember that not only did Jesus go through it before you, Jesus suffered much worse than you ever did, and then thirdly, Jesus is with you while you're suffering. He's with you. There's the communion with Christ in our suffering. And, and the Bible says that we share with Jesus. That's what the word communion is about. It's about sharing. We share with Jesus as a result. When we're sharing in His sufferings, we share with Him in a few other things too. Firstly, we share in His resurrection. Paul said to the Philippian church in uh, chapter 3, that I might know Him and the of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. See, Jesus laid aside his own will, went to the cross for us, and then he tells us to do the same, do likewise, to lay aside our own will and take up our cross and follow him. And then if we do that, the Bible says that we will receive the resurrection of the dead. Verse 11, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection of the dead, Paul said. Not only we share his resurrection, we share in his rejoicing. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4. Uh, it's on the screen for you. Uh, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. So if we suffer for him on this earth, and we shed tears here on this earth, isn't it going to be so much better when He wipes away every tear from our eyes and, and, and whenever our eyes clear up and we're able to see and behold His glory? It's going to be that much sweeter. 
I'm excited about that. In Colossians, Paul says this, Now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake. You see, what Paul had in mind was that he, he was going to not only see Jesus because of his sufferings, and he was going to rejoice in that and share in the rejoicing of heaven one day, because of his sufferings that he went through and he remained faithful. So I, he says, I rejoice in my sufferings and in my flesh and I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body. That is the church. And not only that, we also share in his comfort, his relief. Look at 2 Corinthians 1.5 For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. Amen. So Jesus is there. His Holy Spirit is, is going with us as our comforter. And He's offering us His peace as we go through the trial. He's there with us. So not only do we have the communion with Christ, we also have the communion with Christians though. Because it's not just us. Our, our brothers and sisters around the world are suffering just as we do. We all suffer together. Sometimes we suffer. The Bible says to share in, in sufferings, New Testament, at least eight times that we're commanded to share in sufferings. Paul said in 2 Timothy 3, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. In other words, as Christians suffer... And the world is, the Christian world is suffering today. It's only going to get worse the closer we get to the return of Christ. That doesn't sound like great news, does it? That sounds pretty bad. But you know that Christian persecution is worse today around the world than it ever has been in the history of Christianity. Did you know that? In 2,000 years, it's worse today than it's ever been. More widespread and getting worse by the day. If you didn't know that, listen, I want to invite you to go to icommittopray.com, uh, go to, or maybe .org, go there and see uh, what the Christians are going through. And then sign up to pray for them. I get those prayer requests every single week, and I pray for Christian brothers and sisters that are around the world that are suffering uh, in all, all different places. And so we, sometimes we suffer, but Others are suffering all the time. So Taylor, whenever he was in the uh, was in boot camp for the Coast Guard, they had to the company had to earn their company flag. I don't know if any of you guys have been through boot camp and that was a thing, but it was a thing with Taylor in the Coast Guard, and he was with his company. They were all working together trying to earn that flag. And, and they were the Delta Company. And any of you guys that know anything about uh, navigation, uh, the, flag, the Delta flag uh, means stay clear of me because I'm maneuvering with difficulty. In other words, in other words I'm, I'm having trouble right now, and you need to just kind of stay out of my way. Right? <laughs> I might run into you if you get too close to me. 
And, and some Christians, they're, they're like that Delta company. They're just maneuvering with difficulty. And Taylor said that's exactly the way his company was. They struggled the whole way through boot camp, and they were maneuvering with difficulty. But you know, here's another, here's another thing. When, when we're dead in the water, we need somebody to come alongside of us. We need somebody to draw close to us, not steer clear and get away from us. And some of us, we kind of project that. When we're going through difficulty, it's the Delta flag. Get away from me. But what we really need to do as Christians is invite people to come close in our suffering. And Taylor was, well, uh, some Coast Guardsman that I know mentioned to me (laughs) that there was a particular vessel that was disabled in the night. And the vessel that he was on had to go to that vessel and help restore power in that vessel so that they could begin once again to make headway. And, and that's, the, that's the picture that we need to see. Not get away from me because I'm suffering, but, but help me. And so we have the communion with other Christians when we're going through suffering. Hebrews 13, 3, Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them and those who are mistreated since you are also in the body. Your brothers and sisters are, are suffering all around you. I wish I could get everybody to raise your hands and I, I know... I, I know we're Baptists and we're not supposed to be a hand-raising church and all that, but I wish I could get you to just raise your hand and say, I'm going through suffering right now. I want you to do that. I want you to, everybody. You're right. You're absolutely right. So So I want you to look around you now for just a moment. Everybody in here raised their hand. Okay, no, raised their hand. Okay, so I want you to look at these folks around you. They need you to recognize that they're suffering. And it's often been said this way. Hurting people do what? Hurt people. And so maybe when someone says something or does something that's a little bit off and you're like, man, what's their problem? Maybe instead of thinking, so who ate your breakfast? Or that's what I heard on the chosen this week. Who ate your breakfast? Or who put sandpaper on your toilet seat? Instead of saying those things like that, maybe we should say things like, what are you going through right now? How can I pray for you? I love you. I I know you must be going through a difficult time right now. How can I pray for you? When people begin to act off about things, it's probably because they're going through something. And so we need to remember the communion of suffering. And then sometimes God calls us to go near to that person that is suffering like he does. He says, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich and the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. We have to realize that we need that there is strength in numbers and we need each other because there is an enemy out there who is real and who is alive and who is absolutely against us. If the devil out there hates us, what are we doing hating each other? We've got to stay together and we've got to love each other through the trial. And so look at verse 10. Not only the communion of suffering, but secondly, the call 
to suffering. Now, I know none of us want to hear this, but listen to what he says. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. And listen, that's the truth for every single one of us. If we're not going through it right now, we are about to. Smyrna was about to enter into a time of great suffering like they'd never seen before, but the admonition was do not fear. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 28, Do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear Him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. By the way, that's not the devil. The devil will be destroyed in hell as well. It's talking about the Lord. We need to fear God above any and everything. The church was heavily persecuted by Rome. There was a temple to Tiberius, Caesar that was in Smyrna, and the people were told to worship that temple, worship at that temple, and worship Tiberius because he was divine. And the church had to stand against that persecution and say, no, we will not bow down to anything other than our God. Just like Daniel in the Old Testament, we're not going to bow down to the, the idol that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And so Polycarp was one of those Christians in the early church. And he said he would never bow down. And so they, they, they drug him to the center of town at the temple of Tiberias, and they stabbed him. And they stabbed him, and they stabbed him, and they tried to stab him to death. They tried to burn him, and he, he didn't die. Before he got these words out, he said, 80 and six years I have served him. And he has done me no wrong. See, all the while they're, they're trying to get Polycarp to say, Caesar is Lord. But Polycarp won't say it. He, he will only say, Jesus is Lord. And he says, He's done me no wrong. How then can I blaspheme my King and Savior? Bring forth what thou wilt. No matter what, I'm not going to turn against Jesus. Jesus said to the church, for ten days, you're going to go through this. Ten days. Well, that's a, a perfect number. That's what it means. And what it means is until you're made perfect. Those who suffer, who are being called to suffer, are being tested to see if they will stand firm in their faith. Tertullian said this, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Everywhere that Christians are persecuted in the world around us, Christianity is just growing and growing like wildfire. And they can't put it out. The more Christians they kill, the more Christians there are. It's crazy what's happening in the world. Julius Palmer, Palmer, who was burned at the stake in England in 1556, says, We shall not end, end our lives in the fire, but make a change for a better life. In other words, this isn't the end. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, you know who that guy was, right? He was hung in Germany in 1945 for standing against the Third Reich. He said, This is the end for me, the beginning of life. The Apostle Paul, who was beheaded in Rome around 65 A.D., said, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Praise God. 
the call to suffering. We're all called to suffering. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke 9. Take up your cross, he said. If any, he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits himself? Modern day contemporary example. Uh, Jacob Kersey was a former Georgia police officer this uh, past week who was forced to resign because of his stance on biblical marriage on social media. He was on uh, Washington Watch with Tony Perkins and the Family Research Council. He said this whole thing really boils down to the question, can Christians be public servants? In other words, can we get out there and can we, can we serve Jesus while still doing our job? And that's what the whole question boils down to. He said, my, my department raised questions that I couldn't be trusted and that because I have deeply held religious beliefs, I would not be able to do my job. Tony said, this is a final question. Knowing uh, what you know now and what you've been through, would you do it again? And this was Jacob's answer. He said, absolutely. As many lives as I can give for Christ. Man, wouldn't it be great if we could all have that same desire that, that no matter what, as many lives as I could give for Christ, whatever I could give. And then he says, as many job titles I can give for Christ, whatever I can give for the kingdom, because that will last forever. Amen. The call to suffering. When you enter the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are called to suffer, to give up whatever. If anyone would come after me, let him take up his cross. There's all kinds of sufferings. James said, count it all joy when you, uh, in, when you encounter various trials. There's all kinds of ways we suffer. Your suffering may not be the same as my suffering. And my suffering might not be the same as someone else's. But the thing is about it all, if we're suffering for Christ, there's a great reward. I want you to see, thirdly, the cause of suffering. What is God up to whenever He's allowing His church to go through trials and tribulations? Is God just saying, well, that's just the way it is here on this earth? Or does God have a purpose? And the answer is God absolutely has a purpose for everything that a believer faces. If we believe that God is good, and God is good all the time, and all the time what? God is good. If we believe that, then we know that God has a good purpose in allowing suffering in our life. So what is the cause of suffering? Look at what he says. Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And for 10 days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death. I mean, if you think about that for just a moment, okay? Number one... We are tempted by Satan when we go through trials and tribulation. We are going through temptation. And the temptation is that we would leave the faith. But James tells us that James tells us that God doesn't tempt anyone. Some of you got to quit blaming God for what you're going through and start blaming the devil because he's the one who comes to steal, kill and destroy. All right? Look at what he did to Job. 
Job chapter 1, Have you not put a hedge around Job, the devil said, and his house and all that he has on every side? That's what he's telling God. God, God, didn't you give Job just everything? You've blessed the works of his hands and his possessions and have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has. and He will curse you to your face. What is the devil doing? The devil is in there mixing it up. He's come to, to steal, kill, and destroy. And by the way, whenever God, uh, whenever the devil had to come before God and give an account of himself, God said to him, what have you been doing? He said, I've been going to and fro upon the earth. And Peter tells us what he's been doing. He, he's been seeking someone to devour. The enemy brings difficulty and suffering and pain in our life. And he's allowed to do that because of the sin that's in the world. Luke chapter 22, Jesus looks Peter in the eye and he says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Listen, we go through trials and tribulation. We go through difficulty and persecution and pain because of the devil's temptation. But secondly, we go through it because we are tested by God. Notice again that he says, and you will be tested. For ten days you will have tribulation. So when the devil is tempting, God is testing. You notice that there's a difference between the two. A temptation is meant for a Christian to do what? Fail. A test by God is meant for the Christian to do what? To succeed. There's not a teacher in the world, a good teacher in the world, who issues a test so that all of her students would fail. She wants her students to pass. When God allows you to go through trials and tribulations, His purpose is that you will win. He wants you to win. He wants you to keep the faith. And He wants you to grow because tests help us grow. Romans 5, Paul says not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance. You will prove your love for Jesus and His church when you endure. Verse 4, and endurance produces character. See, you're going to be refined through that and you're going to look more like Christ when you get to the other side. And character produces hope. Hope means, look, I don't care what I go through, I'm going to heaven. And some of us think, well, we need to avoid trials and tribulations. But trials and tribulations, suffering is something, it's, it's, a, it's a lot like going on a bear hunt as a Christian, right? You can't go under it. You can't go around it. What? you got to go through it. And as we go through it, God is refining us. He's making us more like Christ. And if God is for us, who can be against us? The one who persecutes is the devil. The one who persecutes is the devil. The one who lifts us up and refines us is the Lord Jesus. The cause of suffering. And then lastly, I want you to see the conclusion of our suffering Look at verse 10 again with me. He says, be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. Life. 
So even if you die, even if you shed this earthly tent, we're going to have a house in heaven that's not built with human hands that we will enter into one day. The conclusion of our suffering as a Christian will be glory in heaven with God. And that's exciting to think about, but I want to tell you and I want to warn you for those who do not know Christ, suffering on this earth is just the beginning. We'll go to a place of everlasting torment. God doesn't want anybody to go there. But the Bible says in that place that that we call hell, the lake of fire, Gehenna, the devil and his angels will be thrown there. So the devil, the one who tempts us, the one who persecutes us, will be thrown into hell one day. Listen to Revelation chapter 6. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete who were to be killed as they themselves had been slain. I want you to think about those words for a second. A little longer. A little longer. And then in Revelation chapter 12. Uh, did I put that on there? I put that? Yeah. I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Christ have come for the accuser of our, of our brothers. See, He was the accuser of Job. He was the accuser of Peter. And He's the accuser of you and me. And as we go through our trials and tribulation, He's over there on the side and He's saying, you're never going to make it through this. Just give up right now. You're too weak. You're not worthy. God doesn't really love you. You're going to lose everything. And that's what He's whispering in your ear today. But there's going to be a day He's going to be thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered Him by what? The blood of the Lamb. And by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. The devil's going down. And at the end of the book, I know what it says. I know you've read it too. The Bible says he'd be thrown into the lake of fire that burns forever and ever. And the smoke of the torment of those that are thrown in rises up forever. Those who suffer for Christ will only suffer a little while. I want you to hold on to those words. A little while. The trial and the tribulation, even if it lasts your entire life and it ends in death, what is that compared to eternity with God? Romans 8, 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing. In other words, they're not even worth talking about. It's not even, not even worth even mentioning with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Only suffer a little while. I wonder for you, do you hear verse 11? He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers. The one who conquers by what? Remember, it's not because we... We hold on and we, we just are able to press through and just something by our might, we're able to do it. You know, 
No, how does the Bible say that they conquer? By the blood of the Lamb. By the word, the testimony. The one who conquers what? Shall not be hurt by the second death. What's the second death? That's that lake of fire. I am not going into the lake of fire. Can you say that today? You say that with a clear conscience, a clear mind. You don't have any doubt. I am not going into the lake of fire. That's not for me. I'm going up. I'm not going down. The devil's going down. His angels are going down. I'm going up. I wonder if that's true about you. You say that with a clear conscience today. With every head bowed, every eye closed. If you can't say that, you don't know that for certain, for sure. That when this is all over and God sorts this thing all out, which side you'll be on. For those of us who know Christ, our suffering on this earth is temporary, just like everything else besides the people of God and the Word of God. Everything else is temporary. And that includes your suffering. Take heart. Take courage in that fact. But for those of you who do not know the Lord Jesus, your suffering has only begun. Unless you'll hear and heed the word of God and put your faith in the Lord Jesus for salvation. And today, He's inviting you to do that. This is your opportunity to say, I believe in the one who lived and died, but who lives again. If you believe in Him today, and you want to put your trust and faith in Him for salvation, I want to lead you in your prayer. It's a simple prayer, but it's your confessing of your need for Him, asking Him to be your Savior. Write your, names down in the, your name down in the Lamb's Book of Life. Give you a home in heaven. Pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I admit to you that I am a sinner. I deserve the suffering that I'm going through now and I deserve to suffer for eternity. But Jesus, I believe that you made a way for me to be saved. You lived a sinless life and you died on my cross. I believe that you were raised again on the third day and that you are alive today. And so... I ask you to forgive my sin. Come into my heart. Make me a new person. I'll spend the rest of my life living for you and serving you. Thank you for my salvation. In your name, amen. I want you to stand with me. This is our invitation and it's your opportunity that if you've prayed that prayer and you've asked Jesus to be your Savior, not to hold that in, but to let it out and let others know what Jesus has done for you. Don't be ashamed of Him, but share what Jesus has done for you today. We want to encourage you and pray for you and offer you resources and give you the opportunity to follow through with believers' baptism. If you're here today and You've not joined Myrtle Grove Baptist Church, but you know that the Lord is calling you to do that. This is your opportunity. This is your invitation as well to link arms with the church and, and to commit to being a good church member and loving and serving Jesus right here where you've been planted. 
And you come. This is your opportunity. If you simply need prayer, our altar counselors are coming. If you're going through suffering right now and you want some encouragement right now, you come and we're going to pray for you right here at the altar before holy God, knowing that he hears us. So you come. This is your invitation. Let us sing together. Sing it out with all your heart.